Graphic Nature acknowledges the Wurundjeri people of the Kulin Nation, the traditional custodians of the land on which we record the show, and pay our respects to the Elders past, present and future, and extend that respect to other Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islander people who may be listening to this podcast. Due to the graphic nature of this program, listener discretion is advised. Fighting for what's right, for justice, that's what a hero does. It is my opinion, without any reasonable doubt and without any reservation, that comic books are an important contributing factor in many cases of juvenile delinquency. Comic books are pure evil. Satan himself condemns our children to the fiery depths of hell. How a particular tale can come to life in the mind of a reader is endlessly fascinating to me. We have found that all comic books have a very bad effect on teaching the youngest children the proper reading techniques. This balloon print pattern prevents that. I am not a villain. I am a victim. A victim of a society that tortured me. Vengeance will be mine. Will be mine. Will be mine. Will be mine. Welcome to Graphic Nature a fortnightly podcast exploring the inspiring world of comic books, the culture that supports it, the creators, publishers and people behind the printed pages and digital screens pushing the medium on into the future in Australia and the world. I'm Zoran Ilyevsky. On this episode, we're joined by Term Nguyen. Hi. How you doing? Yeah, not bad. Welcome to the show. Thank you. Thanks for having me. So let's just kick into it. How did you get into comics? Ah, um... Was more of like a natural progression. Mm-hmm. I used to read a lot of manga, yep. so I grew up on. Oh, actually, no, I started with like classic stuff. So I'm from Vietnam. We had a lot of Lucky Luke and uh, Tintin, so I read a lot of that when I was younger. And then they started publishing manga, and that was a big deal. So I started reading like Ranma and Detective Conan. Uh, and that kind of got me into all the like action comics. That's a big deal. Yeah. What kind of action comics? Oh, Dragon Ball Z. Yeah, right. Always, always Dragon Ball Z. <laughs> <laughs> so many punches. It's such a good time. Yeah. <laughs> That's still being published now, isn't it? Yeah, I I don't know. I haven't followed it for a long time. Yeah, right. Um, like I think I stopped reading when Gohan was a teenager. No, when he was a bit bigger than a teenager, a long time ago. Yeah, and and was it just Dragon Ball Z and, and the action kind of kind of stuff you were you were getting into at that stage? Yeah, yeah, uh, and then a lot of crime comics like Detective Conan. I'm not very familiar. You'll have to forgive me. I'm not very familiar no. with a lot of a lot of manga. It was about this detective kid, and he somehow got in the wrong with the mafia, and then they made him a tiny kid, and now he has to solve crime as a tiny child. Um, ridiculous, but. <laughs> Each chapter is a different crime and a uh, different book is a different, like, multiple different crimes. Yeah, right. And it was a lot of fun. I I remember those times fondly. Uh, I'm assuming you didn't stop reading there. No, but I did lose interest because I realized that it will never end. They'll keep on having more uh, different crimes to solve. Mm-hmm. So I moved on to stuff from Studio Ghibli and then I saved enough money to get get all of um, Nausicaa uh, and the Valley of the Wind. Mm-hmm. That was a big influence on me. Yeah, right. Yeah, just like all the cross-hatching and ink work. And um, I got like a, a watercolor 
book by Miyazaki when oh, he wow. did. Um, yeah, so studied that a lot as a teenager. And, um, and that kind of just, I wanted to be an animator, but I wasn't quite... Uh, I don't have as much perseverance in animation, so I figured going into illustration or comics is a better fit for me. A lot of the artwork, uh, I may not be familiar with uh, titles and stuff like that in yeah. in manga, but but the art style. Uh, growing up, I really, uh, I suppose now I can say, unfortunately, I had a really big distaste for it because it was so different to mm. what I had uh, what I had become accustomed to uh, growing up, particularly as a young as a young boy. Uh, but it was, it was only, I think it was about my mid twenties when I started branching out and reading some, some stuff. And the book that really kind of changed things for me was Blade of the Immortal. I can never remember the artist's name, uh, the creator, but, uh, that really changed my mind with regard to, uh, manga and what it is. Yeah. Cause for me, particularly when I was, uh, earlier on when I was working in, in a comic shop as a young, as a as an adolescent Mm. uh, looking at like Ran Mahaf and some of the really crazy (laughs) stuff that was, you know, the way that they would depict emotions and all that kind of stuff. As a kid, I just looked at it and I'm going, this is not for me. Yeah. Uh, But when we're getting a little older and looking at some of the more mature readers kind of subject matter in, in some of the manga, it was like some of the stuff is fantastic. Yeah. Cause they cover all genres really. Yeah. And which is something I didn't know (laughs) as a young man is like, you know, what is all this? And I suppose it's the same as, you know, commercial, commercially printed comics in the US, yeah. you know, they, they, if you look outside the, the, the two big publishers, mm. you can pretty much find anything. Yeah. Yeah, right. And so once once you started uh, checking out uh, Nausicaa and, and some of those other titles, uh, did um, did that always hold sway? Because your, your, your artwork isn't, it's not, it's not very manga. No, it's not. It's not. Yeah. But it's like I'm, I'm wondering if, if they were your early influences, what was something that came in a little later? Um, those were the early ones because I went through a phase of changing my style because mm-hmm. I did feel that I did a lot of art classes in high school and a lot of the teachers really looked down on manga or like really stylized stuff and they yeah. want you to learn all the basics which makes sense like I understand their logic but it also made me want to distance myself from that a little bit yeah. so I I started drawing a slightly more western style or just branching away from the pointy chin or the pointy nose yeah. or like really big eyes um, and just finding a different way to depict certain things but I didn't really do art in like tertiary education yeah. so I don't have formal training it's mainly just mostly just deviant art for me yeah right yeah just back in the day deviant art tutorials online yeah right yeah. well that's the way to learn these days isn't it <laughs> yeah now it's skillshare that's yeah it's different that's like formalized internet training nothing wrong with that yeah that's true uh you you did mention that you, you were moving away from you know being told to to alter the way that you drew do you think it, it affected your your artwork positively um i think so i think if you kind of just limit yourself to a certain thing, it kind of puts yourself in a box. Mm-hmm. Um, so I find that I now gra- gravitate towards stuff that is more dynamic. And I find sometimes with the manga that I was reading, it wasn't as 
it was quite static yep. in a way. So you can clearly see like certain models, not so much um, Nausicaa because Nausicaa is a different class. I find that it, it was a bit more freeing when I moved away from traditional manga style. Yeah, right. Um, and I kind of settled on something that's not quite realism because that's really hard for me and not really especially cartoony. Yeah, just a lot of trial and error. Yeah, which I, and that kind of, I suppose, leads into a question. When, when developing a style or your style, how hard was it to mm-hmm. go from, well, this is kind of the style that I really like, so I'm going to draw, and that would be the typical manga, I'm assuming, yeah. typical manga style. And then you say trial and error, but what did that actually involve? Were you, were you actively going rather than doing pointed chins? I'm just now just going to do it round? Yeah, uh, not so much. I think I, I did a big pivot um, in my teens to do more... Um, realistic stuff it didn't quite look nice because I think I wasn't there yet skill wise yeah so it looked very uncanny valley and then after that it was uh, just more or less trying to find this happened over a few years so it wasn't like right away yeah, yeah. but just finding the right eye shape to trialing different noses I find ears are tricky because um I'm not sure how much detail I want to put in because there's so many different Different shapes there. And I I still find nose tricky as how much of the shape I want to use Um, because I like having a little shadow underneath to say that it's a nose without doing all the nostrils. I don't know. How does that all formulate a style? Yeah. Reading and speaking to artists and reading about artists and interviews with other artists, everybody develops shortcuts for Mm. their style. Yeah. You know, is it... And, and obviously styles change over time. Mm-hmm. And so I, I guess what I'm trying to say, or what I'm trying to ask is how did, you, like, how did you find the movement and were you happy with where it went? Mm. And were there, were there where any, it is now. Where it is now, I should say. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I, I like where it is now. I, I still think I can simplify it more. Mm-hmm. Um, what I find with my work recently is more that I'm getting bogged down by the details. Yeah. Um, there's some talk on my Twitter where um, some mutual artists was just saying how comics is more about doing 60% of what you can possibly do on a page, mainly so that you can keep up with the load, the workloads and still maintain a decent style that's, um, that's actually consistent uh, rather than putting 100% of what you can do on a page and then not being able to finish a project because yeah well how, yeah. how do you know when is too much yeah because i know i know artists that can that they can spend a week yeah and i spend a week on a piece on that's, an image it's possible yeah on, on just one page and that's you know i would say that's probably a bit too much yeah and i think i guess that's the thing with working digitally like what i do where I can spend like a whole day just on one frame because I'm not really liking the body mm-hmm. shape or the pose and just slowly retweaking and undoing the line and trying again. Oh, that sounds... Yeah, that's, that, that takes up a lot of time. <laughs> <laughs> that sounds like it takes uh, up hours. So many hours <laughs> where it could have just been looking a little bit wonky but still work cohesively. Is that? Do you think yeah. that's that's because it's because you're working with in digital medium? Would have been different if you were doing the same thing on a piece of paper? 
not so sure. I think if I was working on just ink and paper and still have the same approach, I'll just throw out a lot of paper. <laughs> yeah, fair enough. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I think it's just about having a different approach and taking a step back and finding what you're happy with and keeping what's already there. Um, that's that's mainly what I'm trying to do this year with my work. Yeah, right. Yeah. So get get to that 60% mark. Yeah, yep. 60% <laughs> more simplifies and get some new works out there. Yeah, basically. right. I suppose that it's kind of hard for everyone. I mean, I look at you know even yeah. at even at a, a lot of the conventions that we you know that that I see you at and that I that I mm-hmm. go to, everyone's working really hard. But sometimes people are kind of you know bringing back the same stuff and yeah. not necessarily having the time or being able to bring new material because it takes such a long time to yeah. put together something like long development time, and I I suppose if you're doing everything yourself like the writing, the inking the coloring and then printing it takes more than a few months I would say like I'd say like a life cycle of a project would be like closer to a year yeah yeah if you're starting from scratch and not getting like someone else to print it for you it can take a while I think it's good to have be realistic about what you can do and how long it things take Mm -hmm. and yeah that's why 60 percent that's my goal yeah (laughs) Going you know what? I'm gonna. I'm, I think I'm gonna take that on sixty <laughs> percent. Yeah, that's what I'm gonna start doing. Uh, you you mentioned some uh, different disciplines, mm. and uh, with your writing, uh, how how do you how do you go about developing an idea? Let's say for for any of your projects. Um, I think well, I try to dr- write everything down. Mm-hmm. Um, so if I have any ideas, I'll pop it down on a onto my phone. Um, but it's mainly. I'll develop a project that I feel close enough to it, that mm-hmm. I feel that it resonate with me. Um, what I find challenging is when I know what I kind of want to do with a project, but not quite sure how to get there, which is why I've been mainly sticking to like personal comics. It's, you write what you know, and it's it's easier to draw me than to start drawing like 10 different characters that I <laughs> yeah. don't really know how what they look like yet. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but the experimentation is fun. That's the that's the nice happy part of the start of each project. Yeah. And um, that's around the experimentation is mm. that around uh, designing or is that more about uh, story and plot and, and yeah. that kind of I stuff? I think I struggle mainly with story. When I have an idea, mostly with my two big projects, it's more about challenging myself to draw certain things. With a float, I wanted to learn how to draw water. Yeah, right. And there was a lot of water in that one. And just knowing how to do the reflections. And well, I'm just going to say now you reflections. nailed it because I've ah, got it in my hand and okay. it looks unreal. I also looked at how people simplify water because you can really go crazy with mm-hmm. the details, of course. And went back to some old anime and look at how they would animate water. Because I think at the time that I was drawing it, Netflix re-released Evangelion. And there was quite a lot of water in that. And I was like, oh, that's what I'm doing. Let's take notes. <laughs> <laughs> Smart. Yeah. And then my other project, Goodbye Apollo, there was also a bit of water, but mainly I wanted to focus more on drawing trees. Um, also something that I don't really like drawing. Uh, so I did a bit of bit of that and took some hikes to do some canopy shots yeah just some background well wow, that's really interesting that you're centering a lot of your work around the things that you find the hardest to do yeah 
what, what's what's that process is it so do you go I want to do this story, uh, but it takes uh, it takes place in. I imagine it taking place in this kind of environment. Yeah. Shit, that's really hard. <laughs> Damn, do I want to do that? Like, you know, how you go, or do you go? Uh, I got to figure out a story about something that I really hate drawing. Yeah, because <laughs> so it forces me to draw. Like, is that kind of where you're going, or I how you're thinking I'm about secretly it? Secretly, like a masochist, I guess. <laughs> um, I, I I don't set out to um, make myself feel bad, but it's. It just works out that way, I guess. I just how, yeah, how, how yeah. does that feel? I, uh, like you're drawing the tree for five days straight because you can't get the leaves yeah. right. Um, it's more, I think it's more about I want to increase my understanding of things. Mm-hmm. Um, so the trees were a lot easier to draw than, than water, I have yeah. to say. They were, it's just more about knowing what other elements to put to make it look more like a tree. Yeah, right. Um, whereas water was just, you don't know how you're going until you put that final layer of highlight and then it will pop. But then yeah, before right. that, it will just look like just a bunch of blobs. It will look like <laughs> Squiggly nothing. Squiggly lines. Yeah, it will look like nothing <laughs> for a long time. Um. <laughs> when you're developing uh, a story, mm. uh, what what would you, what kind of stories would you look to for inspiration as to how you would go about putting yours together? I try to look for some things in the same, a similar genre. Um, so at the moment, trying to write a fantasy-based story. Uh, so I went back to my original comic that I always look at, which is Nausicaa. And the thing with Nausicaa is that I find that uh, some people that I follow on social media, they also reference it because I can see the the influence that it has on yeah. certain people. Um, and I've been reading more fantasy books. Um, I forget the author now, but I read this recent one called Kings of the Wild and it's almost D&D um, fantasy novel. Yeah. And that was really cool. So I want to tell this great story about like a, a grizzled traveler who's done everything and now they have to do it again. Um, that That's quite helpful to like get into their heads reading similar things. Um, but I, I have to admit I'm not very well read. Yeah, who is? Yeah. Who yeah, is? That's true. That's true. Um, and I mainly just do that and then jot down points um, about the beats of each um, character and like where I want it to go. But having, I think. So you kind of make it up. It's not necessarily like, you know, this is where I want it to end and mm. then kind of create it all around. Yeah. There. I just write it as I go. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Very chaotic. And how do you stop, how do you stop it from becoming uh, super big? A, <laughs> like an 80 page comic. <laughs> I don't know. Um, <laughs> perhaps I'm trying to scale it down. I think trying to look for a different way perhaps telling it from a different point of view is a better better way of shaping the story all right so yeah. all right let's say uh, so drawing on on the work that you've already done mm. you've come up with the story and you've got kind of your basic design you understand kind of what you want to draw and you go okay i, I really want to draw that because i um, i've struggled I at it. it i hate it so i'm <laughs> gonna um, that's the one thing yeah. i want to draw <laughs> do you get an editor in do you get someone to edit it? do you self-edit how do you piece it together i do a lot of thumbnails mm-hmm. so before for a float i did paper thumbnails which I found was a bit clunky for me because I wanted to move certain things around 
and then for Goodbye Apollo, I transitioned to digital, fully digital right. thumbnails, and that was it. Saved a lot of time. I what think. are you What are you using? Um, yeah, it's just good old Photoshop on that a no tablet. One likes yeah, and an old Wacom tablet. So I've had that for ages and still hasn't broken. So <laughs> <laughs> hey, if it ain't broke, don't fix it. Yeah. So I do my own thumbnails, put them together, and I put the text under the thumbnail to see, make sure that it reads well. Mm-hmm. Um, and then I'll shoot it off to my editor slash partner and then she'll have a look at that and say, this is rubbish. Can you change this? And that font looks bad. Really? <laughs> yes. She's a designer. Okay. So the kerning is wrong. <laughs> oh, come Something. on. Uh, so you're no, using, I, so you're using fonts. Yeah. Uh, I, I'll look for free fonts to okay. use. Yep. Yeah. A lot of sans serif stuff, but no, she's, she's very helpful and yep. is incredibly patient and I love her. But also uh, very helpful for my process too. <laughs> <laughs> so she's looking at the, the thumbnails, the thumbnails, right? Um, to okay. make sure that it reads well, because mm-hmm. sometimes I'll have a script written out and on paper it will read okay. Yeah. But the placement of bubbles is also something speech bubbles that yeah. um, that I'm working on to make sure that the flow sits well. Because there's if there's ever two characters talking to each other, the bubbles should make sense as we read left to right so um that's something that i'm keeping in mind and so it comes back from your partner and then you're like this i'll make is... the edits yeah and um, hopefully you get the tick <laughs> yeah and then i'll start doing the actual roughs and because i do everything on the computer so it's just goes from rough lines to inking and then i'll start thinking about how i can print it yeah, right. And now, now we have spoken before on a couple of occasions and uh, you're a huge fan of risography. Yes. Why are you so enamored with risography? I just think that it's a really great way to do vibrant colours. Mm-hmm. It works really well for that. I think that there's a big charm about it because things can look wonky and different and you can, you can really make something pop with Rizzo if you know how to do it. And it's also, there's a DIY factor to it as well that I really like, mainly because I got to work with some machines before and I find that I really like aligning all the colors, make sure they look right. Um, I also like that it's quite, I get to be quite hands-on and just breaking down colors and thinking about oh, to have this red, then how much of a colour do I need to put on the page so that I print it out and it'll look like what I want it to look like. Yeah, right. And so is that done, that's not aided by any computers? Like you have to do that by... I try by to art? do that. You can get plugins yep. nowadays in Photoshop. Um, you can get plugins to separate your picture to certain colours. Mm-hmm. Um, I haven't looked into that because I think it costs some money because you can essentially do it yourself as you go and work in black and white or you can work in color and separate it out but it's just I find that it's good to think about these things how you're going to print something before you start to put down the final touches like before you start inking you have to work out the templates and so that you're saved so much headache later when you get to the end of the project I guess I grew up with some web comics, so I I've heard some horror stories about people trying to port over their web stuff to printing, and it would. Oh, that doesn't sound like it'll look good. No, 
you know, they didn't plan for it, that's why. So if you're working in RGB and now you have to go to CMYK and your blues are all off, it'll be very disheartening. Yeah, yeah, didn't yeah. even think about that. I worked uh, for a, what they called a uh, strict directory and we would have to do a lot of a lot of that kind mm. of stuff, particularly around, you know, the limit the limitations around colour. Yeah. And depending on the print process, yeah. you know, you would work with either a spot colour because it wasn't necessary, because it wasn't laser. Yeah. And then the covers were a different printing process. Right. And so you had to understand how everything worked <laughs> when you were putting an ad together. Yeah. And it's not, it's... You know, once you once you get a, your head around it, it all works fine. Yeah. Uh, I imagine that the risograph uh, kind of printing is a similar version to four color print process. Yeah, like spot colors. Spot color, yeah, yeah, yeah. Spot yeah. colors. Yeah. Um, and that's the other thing about Rizzo is that it can get colors that you can't get with the CMYK. Profile. Right, that I didn't know either. Yeah, so yeah, it, your blues will be a much stronger blue depending on what drum you're using, I mm. guess. So it's it's really punchy. And then retroactively, I'm noticing that I like certain postcards I've picked up over the years that was actually Rizzo. Yeah, right. And I just picked it up because I like the colours. And now it's come full circle and I actually know how it's made. It's, yeah, it's really good. I still find it endlessly fascinating, particularly talking to you about how much you love <laughs> Rizography. <laughs> and, and interestingly, I think well, I spoke to Chris Gooch and he was also talking about his love of Rizograph printed yeah material and i'm sure that you you might have already said it about how the misalignment can create something a little more dynamic than you were actually thinking about yes yeah Yeah. and i also find that rizzo it doesn't last forever and that's i guess i kind of like that because i guess things don't i don't expect my comics to last forever um but i like that this thing that i've made has a shelf life almost like it's dynamic what's what's wrong with me keeping this for the next 30 years oh <laughs> uh, well look i hate to break this to you but the colors will fade <laughs> will they yeah it will fade over time especially if you have it in the sun It'll, oh wow okay yeah. all right or if you um, rub it really hard with your hand no it's going in a, sl- a plastic slip okay. term and it's going right. in a box somewhere okay We'll see. So we'll make see. sure that it's still around in, in 30 years when you're a yeah. huge famous comic book artist <laughs> slash creator. Yeah. Thank you. You're very welcome. Uh, it well deserved, mate, because your because your stuff it looks it looks it does actually look beautiful. Uh, the the way that the, the colors work and and just looking at the cover of Float uh, now it 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 just it it's amazing and just the the use of the orange is that is that uh, yeah, just different grades of orange? Yep. Yeah. Yeah. That's different grades of yeah. orange. Cool, and same um, with the blue. Yeah. And it just works, and the cap is so just Two-color punchy. print, yeah. Yeah, wow, look at that. Amazing. What's the feedback been yeah. like yes. <laughs> with uh, with the, uh, your work? Um, people are just really liking the colors, mm-hmm. which is what I was trying to get across, I guess. Um, I also like blending colors a lot. So with my second printing of a float, I went all out and redid some of the, most of the pages so that I can blend more colors for the water and just working out what mm, how many more colors I can get out of my two color print yeah I guess if you put they're kind of transparent so when you put two colors together so for example red and blue can make green Mm -hmm. um, like a dark green depending on what blue you use Um, and it's just really fascinating stuff that you can just make more colors 
with what you're working with. And are you doing that? That's post production. So it's so you've already got it. You've already got. Uh, let's say the plates for the risograph mm. with the float. So you've already got the plates. Are you now mixing the colors? Uh, is it is it uh, is it a computerized machine, or do you um, have to physically mix the so, colors? Uh, with the risography, the machine makes the masters inside, and it's made out of this almost like baking paper okay. kind of um, paper, mm-hmm. and it's wrapped around the drum. Yep. So once you're done with that color the machine will scrunch that up and throw it out. So you don't get to keep it. Oh, really? Unless you remove it carefully. But I've never really reused them because the ink dries on it very quickly. Yeah, okay. Um, and I find that afterwards you can't really do much with the pores, the little holes that yep. the machine has made. I've tried to screen print some um, totes using yep. those masters. And I find that you basically have to screen print very quickly within like 30 minutes. Oh, wow. Or else it gets blocked and then you can try the, and wash it, but... All the paint dries and yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 Huh. Um, yeah, so it, the master wraps around the drum and then the paper just goes straight through the machine, which is why it can print so quickly. Yeah, okay. Um, it doesn't have to go up and around certain things like a photocopier. And I, well, what was the question? Sadly, I, I kind of derailed that, but yeah. the, the question was around feedback that you've gotten for your work. Right. Yeah, people people really like the colors, and they're always people who don't know about Rizzo are quite curious about what it is, mm-hmm. or they're not really sure that whether or not it's um, laser or the type of printing. I've gotten in touch with some other Rizograph people, and they've been pretty psyched on the what I can do. I just like the fact that I can bond with people about little technical things yeah. um, and sometimes the settings you have on one machine doesn't work on the other machine yeah right well wow. um, so there's different editing that you have to do specific to the model that you have oh jesus which i didn't really know about um and uh but if you're working with a printer then they they can change it on the fly to make sure that it works out for you yeah that's been really interesting You're listening to Graphic Nature. We'll return right after this short message. Hey, thanks for listening. Hope you're enjoying the show. Uh, We are all over social media. Well, not all over it, but we've got a few. We've got Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. Please jump on Facebook and like us if you're enjoying the show, as well as following us on Instagram and Twitter. You can find all the details on the website, graphicnature.media. Thanks very much. This has been a Graphic Nature public service announcement. Have you received any negative feedback? I don't think people say that to me. Um, <laughs> or is it, or is it one yeah. of those things where you kind of make sure that you've exercised all your all your negative thoughts regarding your work <laughs> before you actually release your, your book? Well, I mean, I don't think people have given me negative feedback, but I guess because my work is self-published and it's not like it's available on any other platforms for feedback, usually the stuff that people say to me is that, whether or not it resonated with them or... Uh, but because I mainly sell prints nowadays. Yeah, right. Yeah, so it's more or less um, people who are in the Rizzo niche market looking for more Rizzo things to have a look at. I was just... Recently, I've shared some of my colour charts and my settings, and that's been exciting 
managed to put together a little workshop for Indie Comic Con and that was really cool seeing all these fresh faced people trying to learn more about Rizzo and me talking like a mad person for about an hour. <laughs> <laughs> so you you so you you might even just move over to uh, a Rizograph printing versus uh, you know, working on slaving on comics for a year. Yeah. Well, I'm not sure. Well so it's I guess it's a matter of finding a Rizzo mm-hmm. that I'm, I want to get. But also, like, it depends on how how much space I'll have later to store these machines and the yeah. drums. And it's I, I think it's, it's going to be quite space intensive yeah, right. as an investment. Um, yeah, it's definitely on the cards. Oh, I think. Well, they, wow. Yeah. Okay. I'm assuming that you prefer, prefer uh, drawing over writing. Yes. You've kind of touched on it before, but but how critical are you of your own work, both in writing and drawing? Mm, I think everyone's very critical of their work. My strength's definitely not in writing, mm-hmm. so I find that I'll feel very awkward in the typing phase of my script. Um, so it'll take me a long time to get started, I think. Um, and also, like, that would probably be the thing that takes the longest yep. for me. And then thumbnailing would be, uh, is actually the fun part. Yeah, that's, I get to shuffle things around if they don't work. The actual creation. Yeah, the actual yeah. creation, that's the fun bit. But the writing is just, if I get stuck there, then I'll be stuck there for a long time. <laughs> <laughs> Have you thought about collaborating with somebody else in that uh, respect? Y- yes, and that's why I collaborated with my sister on the second project. Okay. Um, goodbye, Apollo. So I outsourced the writing. But she, she actually gave me some a really interesting essay that she wrote after her friend passed away. And because uh, we've both gone through a similar experience of losing friends to suicide, mm-hmm. I decided to collaborate with her to just tell, release this, uh, some feelings mm-hmm. that we've had bottled up. And I think that was quite therapeutic for yeah. the both of us. Yeah, as yeah. it can be, yeah. Yeah, definitely. It's interesting that a lot of people that I've spoken to over the years, particularly in comics, and, and you know, you can see it now with this huge enclave of people um, doing autobiographical comics mm. and just how much people are able to use the medium as this uh, amazing tool to, to get to get better or to get over grief or to understand the world or their world a little better mm. it's 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 quite amazing and, and it's really brave for a, you know for a lot of people well i think anyway to to put uh, their feelings on the page for others to read yeah, or so much of themselves yeah almost. yeah 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 it's it's quite yeah. it's quite remarkable and you know not not from the you know hey look at me it's more about hey i really need to exercise this because it's it's weighing me down it's 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 it's, yeah. it's amazing it really is and you get a real, you know, more often than not, you get a really uh, interesting and remarkable story out of it. Mm, yeah. I also find that nowadays that I'm doing my own self-publishing, that when I consume online, there's a lot of um, personal comics on other platforms like mm-hmm. Twitter yep. that are really great. And I don't know if they'll ever be released on like a physical form. Yeah. But, like, I find that so many people are uh, speaking out about their experiences and um, really giving everyone a um, kind of like a window into their worlds. And it's been really powerful. And the um, 
the responses that they get are just they just get are so supportive yeah yeah people are so supportive and it's really good to see which is great when you have when you have things uh you know where, when people are working on on inner demons and, and to have that sort of culture where where on the whole, everyone's really supportive. Yeah. And then when you take that out of that arena and then put it into, uh, you know, what's starting to happen in Melbourne with such a strong comic community, things like Home Cooked and ICC and you walk into the hall in Northgate and there are all these people who are <laughs> doing all this amazing, you know, stuff just out of yeah. their bedrooms and it's it's unbelievable. Yeah. It really, yeah. It's, it's, I think we've got a really good subculture here for independent comics. It's good. Are you uh, are you a territorial kind of creator? Do you mm-hmm. have to be in a particular space, whether it be mental or even physical, to uh, do your work, or can you do it anywhere? I mean, you've got a tablet, but yeah. is that uh, is that like connected to a computer? Like, how does how does your process work when you're actually creating? Oh, I think I mainly like working at home because I like my setup too much. Yep. Um, Thumbnailing I can do on the go because I I've recently committed to an iPad. No, <laughs> and that hurt my feelings a little bit. Um, Why did it hurt your feelings? Because <laughs> it's it's like an astronomical cost for yeah, something that right. shouldn't be that much. But because I'm so committed to Apple now that I have to get it. You're one of those, huh? Yeah, I'm one of those people. <laughs> yeah, but like now I can thumbnail on the go and it's been quite helpful. Um, but because I prefer to work in Photoshop so much that I, I have to go back to my home studio to do most of my roughs and inkings mm-hmm. that mainly work at home when it gets to that stage of the project. Yeah, right. Do you, yeah. Have you thought of like going in, using another program? Have you tried using uh, other programs? Uh, I should. I should <laughs> try. Um, Clip Studio is, um, has been recommended um, yeah, right. a lot. But I... The other thing about um, Photoshop is that it has um, these things called channels, yep. for mainly for photo editing, but works really well with risograph oh, yeah. printing. So, yeah, Clip doesn't have that. So, sadly, I will not be transitioning over for a while. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, channels, uh, particularly when screwing around with photos uh, mm. back in the day, yeah. the channels, the channels uh, mode is is unbelievable because yeah. you can do f- you can do so much. So with many them. funky things. Yeah, so many funky <laughs> things. So we've talked about you. Creating, developing, putting together, printing. You've printed the books. How do you how do you promote your work? Oh, this is the tricky bits. <laughs> um, I mainly work off of Instagram. Uh, I've learnt some hashtag lingo, and I try which isn't as easy as you think it is. Well, it used to be easy, and then they changed the algorithm. Oh, did they? Yeah, last year. Right. I could, it was like a market decrease in engagement after they change it wow yeah i did not know that it used to be that your work will be shown on the recent tab of that tag that you use so it was a lot easier to get new people to see your work but then after that change your work has to be shown to a small subset of your followers and they have to like it and engage with it but you don't know who these people are of right. your followers and once that's gone through that gate then it'll be released to all of your other followers right so it was it was difficult for things to show up on a feed without like without having like call outs for people to hey this is my thing can you like it please yeah um which i find 
Like, I understand that it happens, but I just feel weird doing it myself sometimes. Uh, but it's just the marketing game for yourself now. Yeah. And so it's mainly just through social media. Yeah, just mainly through Instagram. I try to use Twitter a bit, but I mainly just lurk on there because I don't really know. And I, I cancel myself, I think. And I have a deep fear of being cancelled. Um, How do you mean? Uh, just saying stupid shit. Oh, right. Yeah. yeah, that's why I don't say anything on Twitter. <laughs> oh, I don't know. Just, <laughs> no, just like, retweet, occasional, <laughs> here's something I made. Yeah. Yeah. Most of the stuff that you, you know, we're talking about is physical. So even though you're, you're working in a digital sense and you're promoting it uh, mm. via digital means, yeah. you still you still got you know physical items. Uh, are you selling them strictly through Instagram or do you have a website that you use? How, how does that all kind of work for yeah, you? Yeah, so I have a big cartel uh, shop, which is where I run my shop out of. Right, so big cartel is kind of like Etsy, is it? Yeah, it's kind of like Etsy, but... Et- Etsy is a marketplace, whereas Big Cartel is like your own little shop, so right. it's separate. It's, it's like Patreon, but different, right? Patreon is Patreon's its own beast. Right. Big Cartel is like if you have a digital store and you're just working off of your own stuff, so they don't really promote it. There's no homepage. It's right. just you have your own URL, and if people know about it, then they'll click on it. Okay. Yeah. Um, whereas Etsy, if you tag your stuff, I think it's on the marketplace with certain keywords and people can search for risograph and they'll your work might show up in the risograph tag. Mm, along with the other 20,000 people. Yeah, that, yeah, right. yeah okay. stuff like that. Whereas Patreon is supporting artists monthly or per project. So that's, that's less of a store, but more like an ongoing subscription. Yeah, right. Yeah. Like a streaming service for comics. Yeah, basically. <laughs> Comic artists, yeah. Comics yeah. and other stuff. You, you spend some time at conventions, so you're obviously using them as a mode. Yeah. But that's pretty much it then. Yeah, so it's just online store, conventions. I also have a little store. It's mainly just for electronic files. I've got my fan comic on there. And with my newest fan comic, going to be releasing the pages slowly, just so that any of my contributors, if they are planning to sell the comics, I want there to be a period of just like stopping the online release so that people have a chance to buy the hard copy first. Yep. I do try to have like a little bit of a leeway before releasing something digitally. Yeah, right. Um, yeah, from, I never even thought about that. That yeah. you would, yeah. From the physical stuff, yeah. Is there much of a is there much of a market in the digital stuff? I think it's mainly. Well, my take on it is. Postage costs a lot of money for people and for creators. So if you can cut out the middleman and just sell like a low res file and make something back for your time, then it's it's a good idea. Yeah. Have you thought about Patreon? Um, I have, but I I'm not sure how much I want to like market myself instead of just my work because I think you do have to put a lot of your personality into it and stuff like streaming as well. It's like some people Twitch stream their work on like Photoshop or whatever program they use yeah. while they're do- working and they talk to their followers and engage that way. Yeah, wow. And it's, I think it's really full on. And I also it think... It sounds full on. I didn't even know that people would do that. <laughs> yeah, so people live stream their artwork and they people can request certain sketches or they can have... There's this other service where... Everyone can draw on one big canvas and they can draw along with the artist. 
Wow. So that's pretty cool. That's messed up, <laughs> but like in a good way. Yeah, yeah. So you can engage that way, but I, I also think my old computer can't handle that. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, I'll need a big upgrade before I consider stuff like this. Wow, that's in, that's full on. Yeah. That is full on. Is promoting your work via Instagram and you know through cons is it lucrative? I mean, you don't get into comics for money um <laughs> yeah but, but you know you're you're obviously you know you're covering your costs is yes. kind of what i'm more basing it on yeah question so I, I think i do okay on um just using instagram without using any promotions it's just a matter of knowing when people are online to release it at a certain time yeah right and then just knowing which tags to use without using too many um, yeah, I fail at that. Yeah, I use it everything. Spam everything. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> that's what I do. You can you reach reach the ten limit cap? Oh, is oh, there a 30, cap? 30. Oh, 30. 30 is a cap. Yeah. Oh, I gotta mm. gotta pull my socks up. I'm not doing enough then. <laughs> There's thirty cap. Yeah. <laughs> um, I I think I do okay. Yeah. Yeah. And I I could go for bigger conventions. I'm considering doing Supernova this okay. year, and the deadline for early. S- early registrations coming up soon so i'll have to make a decision Ooh. yeah it's commitment yeah it is yeah. it's I, I hear it's it's costly though too isn't it yeah i think it's like a good 200 300 oh wow yeah so whether or not i decide to go i'll need like a big amount of stock yeah to take or else just making the table back yeah yeah yikes Sounds tough. Have you? Uh, do you do any uh, commercial work outside uh, of just your comics? No, not no? really. Would you this do? This is it? a passion project. Right. Um, but if someone turned around and said, "Hey, Tim, I'll give you five hundred bucks if you do this," would you do yeah. it? Why not? <laughs> <laughs> okay. Yeah. yeah um, fair enough. That I've been sense. asked to do some editorials last year, and that was quite fun. And I also did some comics for uh, Comic Sans. Yeah, and I've done some little tiny releases, uh, small comics. And that's been, I I find that that's been quite good just to exercise my uh, writing on small projects, like three to four pages mini comics. Um, That's been really good. Not just blab on for like 60 pages about something. (laughs) What's wrong with that? Nothing wrong with that. Nothing wrong with that. It's a lot of work. Yeah, so much work. (laughs) 60%. That's the new marker. 60%. 60%. And <laughs> we have spoken, we've actually spoken quite a, quite a lot about working digitally versus analog. Do you think working digitally actually takes anything away from working on pen and paper? Mm. Like in the end product? Yeah, I think, I do think that pen and paper um, comics are more, the ink work can be a lot more dynamic, just like the line weights. If you know what you're doing, it'll be perfect. I find that when I do work digitally, depending on my settings, it can look a lot samey-samey. Yeah, right. Um, with the um, the inking. So it won't be as dynamic as if I had a brush pen and I mm-hmm. did it yeah. on a piece of paper. Yeah, it's just, I guess it's just about a bit of a compromise. I think I'll save more time working digitally than if I did traditionally. And maybe, I guess... If I really like that look, I might just do that one page or like just the cover or just for that particular look. But mainly just time saving to go digital. Oh. Yeah. 
Do you want me oh, to, do controversial you want, stuff <laughs> that, that is controversial. on this my, this my brain's kind of going well what do I ask you now term because oh, oh that God. doesn't sound good <laughs> can't believe you said that I, I unfortunately I am yeah. a pen and paper I prefer mm. pen and paper and I've seen for me I, I see the difference like you say the line work yeah. is the the biggest drawback of digital yeah. uh, digital work uh, and you know some of my favorite artists from you know from comics when they've shifted from pen and paper and you know traditional inks to computer yeah. the line weight alone just makes me feel strange because angry well no not that angry (laughs) not angry but more disappointed okay (laughs) you know it's just that whole thing of and and you're absolutely right the the dynamism of of a hand inked piece of work versus uh something that's done digitally it it it's a world of difference yeah it and, is. and it can, true. and it does make you know having that really weird straight same kind of line, the the perfect line everywhere, d- d- yeah. makes it look weird. Like I look at it and I go, just it feels like someone's cleaned everything up really, really nicely. Yeah, you want that imperfection. You need yeah, that. yeah. I'm, I'm a big fan. I think that's why, uh, why some of the some of the indie stuff that I've bo- been looking at lately, mm. and even when like you know, and even some of the major you know some of the more commercial companies in the states have have started bringing in really different artists yeah. and you can see the different types of artwork mm. and when you you know when you see someone who's who's really heavy on the ink yeah you know versus someone who's using a digital you know digital inking kind yeah. of process they look so different mm. so different and you look at the heavy line weight and you go wow this it feels more it feels organic it feels better yeah uh, so that's why i think uh, that's why I think you're wrong, yes. term and, and uh, I think you need to burn your computer okay. and throw the iPad out. But uh, yeah. <laughs> yeah, that's just but that's just my opinion. No. You know, I I do think that's true, but I I also think that you need to know your settings more because I think nowadays computers and like Procreate has gotten made it a lot easier to try and match what you can do traditionally, mm-hmm. and. And you know that when someone just switched over from traditional to digital and like sometimes they'll do a line and then it, it's a bit clunky at the end. Yeah. It's it's quite noticeable then, but like as they progress, it gets better. <laughs> like oh. everything, I suppose. Yeah. <laughs> you know, the more hours you spend, the better you get at it. Yes. Tell us about it. some of the new, so, you know, some of the projects on, on the... On the horizon. On the horizon. That's what yes. I was looking for. Yeah. <laughs> Tell us a bit about the you, the projects you have on the horizon. Okay. So um, usually I try to release a fan comic for a festival photocopier. So mm-hmm. um, the first one I did was a fanzine about two characters from Uncharted. Yep. Four. Um, and then last year I did one with Emily Never about um, Mass Effect. Oh, great. Our fave. This year... Mass Effect is a... It's a... Uh, Bioware game, um, right. action RPG, mm-hmm. um, and this year where uh, I've got nine other artists with me, and we're we're releasing an anthology about The Witcher, the game. Wow! Um, so the game, topical. not the show. The show hadn't come out when we made this, <laughs> yeah, so it's mainly enough. just the game. Yeah, cool. Um, and that that's going to be available at the Festival of Photocopy. Yeah. Yes, Festival of Photocopia. Why The Witcher? Mm-hmm. And. It sounds like this is kind of a recurring thing now. Every year, yeah. you get together with a bunch of people, and 
what you choose a game and you go hey let's do let's do something let's yeah, do something around for, this for something um well look i this year i wanted to do the witcher because i it's one of the games that i was able to replay and quite obsessively because it was so good and i found a bunch of people who also really liked it and it's just like when you get to the end of a story and you really like the characters and you want to spend more time with them yep. so and I also wanted to promote Rizograph for a lot of new artists. Yeah. Um, so one of the artists I have, Simon Wall, who's never done it before, and I got him on board, and now he's a little bit obsessive about it too. So. Sounds like an epidemic. Yeah, it's it's a virus. The patient zero. Yeah, just <laughs> infecting everyone. <laughs> cough, cough. <laughs> Rizza. <laughs> so you, you put it together. Is it pretty much the same process as what you would do with the regular work? Yes, so um, it's a bit more strict because I had a timeline to work with and I needed to have a proper template for everyone. Um, and for this project, I got a new guillotine so I can perfect, just print it, bleed, essentially. Yeah. And it's uh, it's going to be so great. Yeah. And ha- actually, actually, that's something I wanted to touch on too, mm. is with your other work, like, uh, once it's printed... Are you actually cutting? So you get you go to the risograph, you get them printed, you get your hundred books. Yeah, you take I them get home. my hundred sheets of paper and right. I bind it myself. Holy moly! And I, yeah, get the nice uh, staples with color with a really long stapler. Yeah, figure out where the middle line is, yes. and then <laughs> and then staple, staple, and then realign them and trim. So I've worked out that I can trim up to six books at a time. Classy. Yeah. And that saves a lot of time. But now with the new guillotine? Yep, now with the new guillotine. It's... You'd be able to cut more, wouldn't you, with the new guillotine? Yeah, but uh, I, I find that once you go higher, so five is a nice amount, mainly because then once I've got the stack, I can easily count them. And I find with the guillotine that I'm using, it's a bit quirky where after you cut anything, it'll leave a little bit of a dent because the blade is not perfect. Which is fine. This is a zine and it's not professional. So I embrace the imperfections. Um, But it's just a matter of having enough time to bind it and um, put it all together and then um, getting it ready. Which it is because it's happening this week. (laughs) Come see me. (laughs) If there was someone that you could collaborate with that you thought in a million years you would never be able to, who would it be? Oh. <laughs> <laughs> okay. In a million years, I can't. No, well, a million years is kind of, you know, I'm just saying, yeah. you know, someone someone who, who you know, living or dead. Okay. I, hmm. Okay, so this is bad because I can't really think of their name. Mm-hmm. Um, let's just go with, uh, I'm a big fan of Fiona Staples. Oh, oh yeah, that would be really good. That would yeah. be so cool. Fiona Staples is, is yes. in fact, I'm just going to say remarkable because, you know, yeah, she's, she's absolutely amazing. So good. so good, yes. So that would be my current pick. At this point. All right. Fiona Staples, it is. Yeah. <laughs> All right, Tim. Tim, thank you very much for coming in on the show yeah, and speaking to us. Thanks for having me. Yeah. Here. Oh, you're absolutely welcome. See you later. <laughs> thanks, Tim. <laughs>
That's the end of this episode of Graphic Nature. Thanks for listening. I hope you've enjoyed it. Uh, please rate and review the show on whatever podcast service you use. It'd be greatly appreciated. If you have any thoughts regarding the show, feel free to send an email to feedback at graphicnature.media. You can catch me on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook. For more information about the show, visit Graphic Nature on the web by typing into your handy web browser or search engine graphicnature.media. See you in a couple of weeks and uh, go and read some comics. Credits! Written, produced, edited, and presented by Zoran Ilyevsky. Audio consultation and additional production. Archie Cuthbertson, Dan Moore. Credits announcer, Simon Winkler. Theme character voices, Zoran Ilyevsky. Audio excerpts of Senate Subcommittee on Juvenile Delinquency, Wortham versus Gaines on Decency Standards, used courtesy of New York City Municipal Archives. You've been listening to Graphic Nature, the podcast.